And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your, your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given, given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given, given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, by enc be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemy enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil with doing good. This is the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for your words to us that we heard read. Lord, would you make it come alive uh, in the power of your spirit for us now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Okay, Romans chapter 12, live together in love. Live together in love. Right, what can you offer God? What can you offer God? What can you give to get right with God? If you are thinking, well, I can give him myself as a living sacrifice, well, then you are wrong. Wrong? But it says right here, (laughs) right there in the passage. Or does it? What does it actually say? Pick up your Bibles, have a look. What does it actually say? It says, and so, in the words, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Why? Because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Or as the ESV puts it, I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. See, the Bible clearly tells us that there's nothing we can do to get right with God. Nothing. We are dead in our sins. We are in Adam. We rebel against God. We chose our own way. And nothing we do can make us right. Romans 3.10, summarizing the Old Testament, there is no one righteous, not even one. That's why the gospel is not, this is what you can do to get right with God. That's all the other religions. But this gospel is good news. It would be very bad news if this chapter was what we had to do to be right with God. (laughs) I mean, good grief. (laughs) We'd be in trouble. No, it's not the bad news. It's the good news. In light of God's mercy, you know, because of all he has done for you, this then is how we live. So the gospel is that when we were in rebellion, when we were dead, when we rejected God, God came for us. Why us? We don't know. There's nothing special about us. But it is because of God's great mercy. The focus is not on us, but the focus is on on him. Because he is full of love, he decided to take rebels, sinners, and make them, that's you and I, if we are in Christ, make us trophies of grace. So, as we look at this passage, it's important to remember that we do not sacrifice in order to get mercy. We have mercy Therefore, we offer a sacrifice. Okay, we don't sacrifice to get God's mercy. We have God's mercy and therefore we offer sacrifices. And it's always been this way. It was exactly the same way with Israel. They were God's people. They were chosen by God and therefore they offered sacrifices. Praise offerings, thank offerings and sin offerings. Now, of course, we don't offer sin offerings anymore because of the Lord Jesus. Our sin offering was given once for all on the cross when Jesus gave his life for us. But we still do offer praise and thank offerings. And we do that by living. By living. Being living sacrifices, living for the glory of God. Now, my dad, that wonderful man over there, my dad for years hated verse 1. Chapter 12, verse 1, he hated it. 
He said, I don't want to be a sacrifice. <laughs> sacrifice has to do with altars and, and blood and flesh and flies and death. I don't want that. It's terrible. Then one day as he was reading, he suddenly noticed a word that he'd never noticed before. It's the word living. Living. A living sacrifice. Our sacrifice is to live fully for God. We are called to live for him, to be truly alive, to be what we were born to be. He now likes verse one. (laughs) We were created to reflect God's glory, his beauty, his love, his power, his compassion. And in Christ, that is what we are called to. We have been remade, renewed, restored from the inside out. We have the Holy Spirit of God within us. Now, in light of God's mercy, because of all that he has done for you, people chosen, loved and kept by God live. That's the message of 12 to 16. (laughs) Live. See, it's one of the great truths of Christianity that death brings life. Christ died that he might win life for us all and he proved it by rising from the dead. And for us, death brings life. As we die to self, we find that we live. As we obey, we find blessing and truth. As we do what seems unwise, but we do it because God said it, we find wisdom. I've discovered that many times. Oh, this sounds stupid, God, but I'll do it. And then you do it, and hey, it works. Funny thing that God knew what he was talking about. (laughs) So that's verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. In fact, in the, in the original language, the word there is, it's, it's reasonable or it's rational to worship, uh, to, to serve God this way, to offer your, yourselves. It's the rational thing, the logical thing to do. Now, it's very important for us to remember as we start looking at how we are to live, that we remember what has come before. This is chapter 12, not chapter 1. Otherwise, we might think that, well, this is how we impress God so that he will like us and let us into heaven. (laughs) No, in light of God's mercies, we have been forgiven. We have everything. Now, some might argue, but where's the motivation then? If, if, If God's given me everything... If I know that I'm saved, if, if I know I'm going to heaven, why, why do anything? Why sacrifice? You've taken away my motivation. Well, let me tell you about two teachers I had at school. Uh, one was called Mr. Schoen, who I had in the sixth grade, and one was Mr. Little, who I had in the seventh grade. And Mr. Schoen was a cruel teacher. He was petty, he was vindictive, and he took particular pleasure in breaking down certain uh, pupils, making them totally miserable. We were all afraid of him. And when he was in the classroom, we all obeyed him (laughs) in fear of what he would do. But when his back was turned, we hated him. We called him names. We stuck our tongue out at him. (laughs) See, our motivation to obedience only lasted as long as his eyes were on us. 
And Mr. Little, the next year, he was the opposite. He loved us. He cared about us. And those who had been crushed by Mr. Show and Mr. Little built them up again over the year. It was amazing to watch, actually, how he worked with them. And, you know, we loved to obey Mr. Little, even when he wasn't in the room. We loved him because he loved us. Love is a much more powerful motivation than fear. So what view do you have of God? Do you see a stern taskmaster who demands the impossible and that you've got to somehow impress him? Because if that's the way you think of God, then that will be the God that you meet eventually. But in the gospel, we meet a God who demands the impossible, yes, and then says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And then he gives us his righteousness, purchased through laying aside his majesty, becoming one of us, suffering with us, dying for us, and then rising to new life. That is the God that we serve, a God of such love. And if we've met him, if we know him, and if we are known by him, that is motivation enough to live for his glory and for his honor. You know, it's like I don't have to force myself to be married to that beautiful lady right over there. You know, I don't think, oh no, I'm bound by this horrible contract, this stupid promise I made. You know, it is a joy to be with her. I know her and she knows me and, and so I want to please her. I want to bring her glory and joy. And that's what this passage tonight is about. It's, it's, it's about knowing God uh, so that we can know what pleases him. Just like I know my wife and I, and I study her so that I can know what pleases her. We study the Lord to know what pleases him and what brings him joy. So let us delight our father's heart in the way that we live. Of course, you know, living that way brings us great joy as well. You know, that's the way we were made to live. And our motivation is love. We are loved by God. Romans eight thirty nine. nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's what we need to <clears throat> keep in mind as we look at tonight's passage and indeed chapters 12 to 16. So the first point, the first point was, in light of God's mercy, live. In light of God's mercy, live. Be a living sacrifice because he loves you. The second point is this. To be a living sacrifice, you need a renewed mind, verse 2. And our mind is renewed through the church. And the third point is, a living sacrifice is living a life of sacrificial, God-glorifying love. So that's where we're going. Point number one, live. Point number two, together. Point number three, in love. Live together in love, Romans 12. So how do we then live as living sacrifices for God? How do we give glory to God in everything we do? How do we reflect his beauty and his love and his glory and his joy in our lives? Well, it starts here, in our minds. Verse 2, have a look at verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. 
or as the ESV puts it, do not conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. So our minds need to be changed. We need to start to think God's thoughts so that we can do what God wants. And how do we do that? Well, we need to know him. We need his word. We need the Bible. But um, there's more. And um, I have a confession to make here. I know verse 1 and 2 very well. Probably a lot of you do. It's kind of, you, know, you kind of know these verses. These are great verses. I've read it lots of times, but I haven't really paid that much attention to the context. I know. It's terrible, isn't it? Naughty. <laughs> so in preparing this, I was amazed to see something that I've never seen before. Because the Holy Spirit, through Paul, after telling us that our minds need to be renewed, What does he immediately talk about? He talks about the church. The church is where we go to renew our minds. Have a look there, verse 3 to 6. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And then he talks about the gifts. Now, I found that fascinating. Because I'm such an individualistic Westerner, um, I think, renew my mind? Yes, I know how to do that. I will lock myself away in my room on my own. And I will read the word. So if I know the Bible, um, maybe if I'm a bit more, more spiritual, I might say, I will go and seek God and let him speak to me. Or if I'm maybe a bit more religious, maybe I'll say, I will go to a monastery and seek him there and experience. But it's all me on my own, isn't it? <laughs> and at this point, our brothers and sisters from Africa and the East will be laughing at us going, duh. No, we do this as a community. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) We do it together. The church. In the church, most importantly, we hear God's word, but we also see it lived out. We see it in action. That's why we have a body, not just a mouth. Verse 6, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. We need each other. It's exactly like the law, the law of God. I've been reading the Pentateuch recently. Now, I did not just sneeze. That is the name of the first five books of the Bible. The the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. There's a lot of law in that. Do this, do that. And you know what? It's not arranged logically at all. It's all mixed up together. Stuff you had to do in everyday life with stuff the priests had to do, with stuff the king had to do, rules for government, all mixed up and it makes it impossible to remember. It's like chapters and chapters and chapters and chapters of this stuff. But not if you see it lived out. You know, you'd watch your parents and you'd go, oh, that's how it's done. You see your neighbours doing something, you're like, oh, I'm supposed to do that as well. Whoops, you know. Um, You see the priests doing their duties and you go, 
Ah, that's what it means. You see, the law of God, his word, was lived out on display every day in the community around you. And the same thing in the church. I have learned so much by watching how my brothers and sisters in Christ do things. Uh, For example, I remember staying with friends of ours, um, Paul and Penny Dawson, and their five kids. I stayed with them for a few weeks. And I learned a lot (laughs) about Christian living just watching how they did things. How they balanced ministry, because they were in ministry. How they balanced ministry and family demands. What they prioritized as important. How they spoke to their kids. How they taught them the Bible at their various ages from 10 to 2. It was wisdom on display. Now, Debbie and I are both privileged to grow up in Christian families and we have gained much practical wisdom in how to live as a Christian, but I know many of you did not. That's why we have the church. It's also for us because, you know, our parents are fantastic, but they're not Jesus. So there's always room for improvement. So that's why we have the church. So watch godly people and see what they do. Ask. A number of people in this church will, will phone me up and say, I have an ethical dilemma. What should I do in this situation? What is the right thing to do? I mean, that's brilliant. That is Christian living. That's, you know, asking each other for help. I also want you to note that no one has all the gifts. (laughs) We need each other. Some teach. Some prophesy. That is applying the Bible to everyday life. Explaining what's going on through, um, with with the focus on the Lord. Uh, that's prophecy. Some exhort, that's encouraging. Some lead, some are generous, some are kind, and so on. We are a team together, helping each other. By the way, that doesn't mean that, you know, oh, I don't have the gift of kindness, therefore I can be mean. <laughs> it means some people are better at that than others, and they inspire us to be more kind, you know, <laughs> be generous. I don't have the gift of generosity, yes, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. Some have more and some have less. So let's carry on together. We're a team together, urging each other on. But I also want you to notice something else. It's not just, just, it's not just that God saves us. But he also gives us gifts and he decides the level of faith that we have. It's very interesting. Look there at verse 3. Don't think that you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given. God is not only sovereign over our salvation, but also over our sanctification, that is, being made holy. So see yourself as you are by how much faith you've been given. And if you want more, ask Because it's God who even gives us our faith, there is no room for pride, is there? It's humility. For us who are leaders, we have been given much, so much is asked. There's no pride here, but there's humility and there is responsibility. Now, many of you are highly gifted. And we will develop those gifts in submission to God's word. You see, the more gifted you are, the more essential it is that you know the Bible. A prophet needs to 
know God's word, otherwise they'll end up being a false prophet. A leader needs to know God's word, otherwise they'll lead everyone astray. That's why the leaders of the church are elders, because an elder is one who teaches the word, by definition. We all need each other. The church needs you, because we are called to be a living sacrifice. And to be a living sacrifice, you need a renewed mind, and the place to renew our mind is through the church, through the word being taught and lived out. So then, third point. A living sacrifice lives a life of sacrificial, God-glorifying love. So as a church, how do we live in a way that glorifies God? How do we live together in love? And that is the rest of the chapter. And there is a lot in this rest of the chapter. So we'll finish at about half past ten if I was going to preach this whole thing. Now, I'm just going to read it and I'm going to make a few comments and then I'm going to leave it up to each of us before the Lord to repent of what we need to repent of because different things will challenge us. So, brothers and sisters, in light of God's mercy, because we are forgiven, because we are chosen by God, because nothing can separate us from his love, because we have heaven as our inheritance, and because the Spirit of God lives in us, this then is how we are to live, reflecting God's glory. Verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection And take delight in honouring each other. I just want to stop there and make comments. You see, if we see ourselves as we really are by the faith God has given us, then we will be humble. We will delight in each other. So let's be quick to praise each other, to honour each other, to, to thank each other. To admire each other. Like, thank you, Christiane and Joanna, for opening your home, even though you didn't want to. Probably. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's great to be able to come here. Thanks, Dad, for leading. Now, when you think about the church, do you think, wow, that's so cool? Or do you think, oh, why wasn't that done? Why didn't they do this? You know, <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, complaining, <laughs> complaining comes so easily, complimenting is hard. So let's work on that. Let's, let's delight in honouring each other building each other up so verse 11 never be lazy or like the norwegian translation (laughs) never be lazy but work hard and serve the lord enthusiastically rejoice in our confident hope be patient in trouble keep on praying when god's people are in need always be ready to help them and always be eager to practice hospitality what is hospitality? This is, okay? Christian and Joanna opening their home. Here we are. My parents, every time we have an event, it ends up at their house. <laughs> hospitality. Okay, but hospitality is, <laughs> is more than just church events. Um, invite people home from church. Invite non-Christians. Open your... Oh, <laughs> you're trying. Well, we've had lots of non-Christians, my boy. Uh, people see Jesus in your home life the way you do things don't underestimate the work of the spirit 
in and through you. Many things we take for granted, it's just the way we do things. You know, for others is, is groundbreaking. They've never seen it before. Um, an example I actually used this morning was that um, political meeting, that meeting with the Christians and the politicians. And I don't think it was particularly amazing. Uh, but the politicians were amazed by it. And you know what they were amazed by? That people listened politely to everyone, no matter which political party they were, they were from, and applauded afterwards. It was like, well, we're going to boo, you know. <laughs> well, that's what they're used to. So for them, it was, it was something completely different. Wow, they were... So I mean, that's just an example of how we think, well, that's normal. But many people it isn't. So don't underestimate the work of the Spirit in and through you in inviting people into your life and into your home. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Christian, two weeks ago, spoke on forgiveness from Philemon. Have you forgiven? Because we sin against the Lord and we deeply hurt him and we hurt others, yet we are forgiven. Therefore, can we not forgive others who have hurt us? Now, that's not easy, is it? (laughs) It's not easy. And some of you may need help because of deep hurts. But let's do it together. Let's take the, the ice that is in our hearts and melt it in the furnace of God's love. Verse 15. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. I find that a very odd translation because actually what it says is don't be too proud to associate with those who think beneath you. Ordinary people. I'm an ordinary person. But it's it's those you think are beneath you. Who, who, Who you think shouldn't be in the church, you know? Well, I want this church to be full of those people, the, the losers, the, the outcasts, the, the rubbish of society. Because God is very good at taking those who are least and making them glorious. So let's see what God can do, because that's the heart of Jesus. Remember, he was always hanging around with losers and sinners. And Jesus makes them into choosers, isn't that right? Not a loser, but a chooser. <laughs> Verse 16 continues, don't think you know it all. Verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh, how easily that comes to us. Revenge! (laughs) No, let God handle things. (laughs) Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Verse 18, do all you can to live at peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Now, isn't that the very heart of God? We who are evil have been conquered by good. So let's do the same thing. Never forget that we were enemies of God. And he has transformed us. And he can do exactly the same thing with that person who makes our life miserable. 
with that bully, that pervert, that threat, or maybe just that grumpy neighbor. <laughs> Whoever it is, you know, never forget that we are sinners, and that by the, but by the grace of God, that could be us. We could be that person. Maybe if we'd grown up like them, we'd be the same. Maybe all they've experienced is hatred and, and attacks and aggression. Maybe that's why they're so hard and, and messed up. So ask the Lord for his strength. Ask the Lord for his love and his compassion and to be able to see them through his eyes and treat them the way that Christ has treated you. And then we'll see what God will do. Conquer evil with good. And if they just continue being mean and horrible and they are unchanged, well then leave them in the Lord's hands. (laughs) He will pay them back much more than you can with your petty revenge. (laughs) Leave it to him. Right, that was chapter 12. I am extremely happy, and I think we should all be extremely happy, that this isn't a list of rules to keep in order to be made right with God. (laughs) Praise the Lord that it is because we have been forgiven, because we've been redeemed, renewed, transformed, that we are called to live like Christ. So let's do it. Together. Let's encourage each other. Let's watch each other to see how to live. As they are following God, let, let, let's follow. And let's encourage each other and, and pick each other up when we fall. And carry each other's burdens. And help each other and, and push each other. And work together until that great day when we see our Saviour face to face. First point in light of God's mercy, live Be a living sacrifice because he loves you. Second point, to be a living sacrifice, you need a renewed mind. And we renew our mind in the church. And thirdly, a living sacrifice lives a life of sacrificial, God-glorifying love. In other words, live together in love. Live together in love. Let's pray and thank the Lord. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful that this is chapter 12 and not chapter (laughs) 1. In light of God's mercy, because of what God has done for you, live this way. Thank you, Lord God, for your spirit in our hearts, which changes us to be more and more like your son every day. I thank you for the church, which is a lifeline in renewing our minds and seeing, both hearing the word and seeing the word on display. And Lord, encourage us to use our spiritual gifts our gifts of leadership, of prophecy, of generosity, of kindness, of hospitality, whatever it is, Lord, let us excel, let us keep going, and let us honor each other in what we are doing. Lord God, please help us to, uh, to follow you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thankfully, we now have a time of confession, <laughs> where maybe we want to bring up some of these things before the Lord. And then after that, we are reminded that we are forgiven as we celebrate the communion together.